Welcome to the Use Because podcast. Deeper learning from the greatest business minds to have ever put pen to paper. We believe that each and every book we cover in this podcast offers you a wealth of knowledge, but we want to do so much more for you than that. With that in mind, we're beyond excited to tell you that in the coming weeks, we're going to be offering you a suite of digital tools that we've been working on for quite a while. If you're new to the podcast, you should understand that our philosophy is that there's three pillars to ensuring that deeper learning occurs. You must first understand the concept, the new knowledge. You then must remember it. And then thirdly, you must go and deliberately practice it. Reading the book or getting the digital summary, and yes, even listening to this podcast, you'll achieve the first. You'll understand what is to be learned. And if you stop there, you will forget on average over 90% of what you heard or read within one week. We want to empower you to achieve deeper learning through the two remaining pillars, to remember and to deliberately practice. And here's how you'll do it. You'll remember the key takeaways from the books with our quick read summaries that focus on the actionable content. These summaries are going to enable you to commit the actionable content to your long-term memory. To deliberately practice these actionable contents or these key takeaways, you're going to use your personal digital action log. You decide when and where to practice your chosen key takeaway. It could be to be proactive, to begin with the end in mind, to be comfortable in an awkward silence during a sales conversation. Whatever the key takeaway is, record it into your digital action log, go out into the world, deliberately practice it, and come back and record your results and your feedback and rinse and repeat. For more details, get onto our mailing list at usebecause.com forward slash subscribe. Okay. On with the show. Atomic Habits by James Clear builds on a podcast we did previously called The Power of Habit by a guy called Charles Duhigg. And in this book, he takes a very, I suppose, a different approach to creating good habits and eliminating bad habits in your life. Those habits could be to do with, you know, being a better leader in your profession, uh, eating more healthy, getting more exercise, stopping smoking, whatever the thing is. According to James Clear in Atomic Habits, he believes there are four laws that will help you to do those things, right, to to get to where you want to get to. But before we get into what the four laws actually are, he talks about some fundamentals. And he talks first and foremost about the surprising power of Atomic Habits. Now, the book is called Atomic Habits because atomic in his mind means, well, not in his mind, in everyone's mind <laughs> means small. Um, this is my, my what I, I said that because he, the reason he called it Atomic Habits is because he was looking at it from the point of view that a habit is a fractional change, a tiny, tiny change that you, that you make um, that allows you to get to where you want to get to. So his whole point is to focus on getting 1% better every day. And to, to think more about your systems than the actual goals, which we'll get into as well as we as we get into the book itself. So the surpri- surprising power of Atomic Habits is about getting 1% better every day. I think about that from the Kaizen approach. So Kaizen means continuous and never-ending improvement. If you take that approach to anything, you're kind of wanting to make sure that you're trending in the right direction. So 1% better every day doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know a mathematical thing you're going to work out every day, but you're all the time being conscious of what it is you're trying to change. So whether it's, you know, I want to work out five days a week or four days or 10 days, 10 times a week, whatever the thing is that you want to do, you want to make sure that you're trending in that direction, that you're getting 1% better every day, not a, 
none, not even necessarily 1% better at working out, but 1% better in all the steps that lead up to you working out. So one of the things, I'm kind of jumping a bit all over the place here, but one of the things he talks about is reducing friction from good behaviours, which we'll get into. But really, well, I've I've talked about this before in previous podcasts. Let's say it was something like you're wanting to uh, to work out, right, to, to make sure you actually go and lift weights or go for a run or you can go for a walk or cycle, whatever the thing is that you want to do. One of the ways that you'll do that is to reduce friction, right, is to make sure that uh, if you're going to go for a walk before work in the morning or going to go to the gym, make sure there's, you have to allow for the future version of you who's lazy. You have to counteract them before they get a chance to, to say no. And the way you do that, the way you reduce the friction is to, you know, have your workout clothes right beside the bed when you get up. So you literally step into the shorts and the t-shirt is there and the socks and the runners. Uh, have the bag packed, have everything have everything ready that you need. So there's no excuse. There's not like, well, I don't know where my, my, my towel is. I don't know where my, uh, my swimming togs are for, you know, going swimming. Have it all ready. Reduce the friction. So when I talk about getting 1% better, or the author James Clear talks about getting 1% better as well, I would look at it from the point of view it's not that it's you know every week i'm going to go i'm going to work out one percent more than i did the week before or one percent more than i did yesterday it is that but it's also making sure that you are uh, reducing the friction right make getting one percent better at reducing the friction for yourself every day as well so that you're trending in the right direction i always think when you're trying to build new habits uh, be kind to yourself right don't, don't slips are okay well not that they're okay but slips are going to happen they're inevitable you should build it into your system to allow for slips whether it's you know you've eaten healthy all week and then you order a pizza at the weekend and you're beating yourself up just you know that you're trending in the right direction that's what you want to keep in mind so the first thing he talks about in the book is the surprising power of atomic habits is to make sure that you're getting one percent better every day and uh, that's that's what's going to make the difference another thing he talks about then is how your habits identify uh or sorry i should say how your habits shape your identity there's three levels of change outcome process and identity so you need to focus on who you wish to become right so actually my own mother has said this before that you know when she wants us to eat healthier when she wants to like not eat um you know cakes and biscuits and that kind of stuff she tells herself i don't eat those things not, oh, I'd love to have one and I really shouldn't and, oh, you know, I'm using willpower. In her mind, her identity says, I don't eat those. I don't eat coffee slices. I don't eat biscuits. I don't eat whatever. And it's, a, it's again, this is, you know, what he says in his book here is that you have to think about, are you the type of person who works out? I, I go to the gym. I'm an athlete. I am a leader in my organization. Um, I am a healthy eater. I'm a non-smoker. And it's an interesting thing in the... I'm, I'm just reminded as I was saying that there about smoking about you know the book uh, Alan Carr wrote a book how to stop smoking I think it's called it it was it was a huge hit I think it still is for people who want to stop smoking and in that book and I read it I was never a smoker but I read it to see what is the big deal about this book and what's really interesting is that he throughout the course of that book he he makes the whole point on every single page that you're not giving anything up you you actually don't want this and what he's really doing in, in that book, How to Stop Smoking, is to make sure that you understand that your identity is of a non-smoker. You weren't born a smoker. You you created uh, habits that turned you into a smoker. But what you need to do is you need to identify yourself as a non-smoker, not somebody who I gave up smoking. You didn't give up anything. 
I just don't smoke anymore. That's kind of the, the point that he makes in that book, How to Stop Smoking. I hope I've got the name of that right. Alan Carr, not, not the comedian guy, different fella. Um, and it's the same thing that he's talking about here in Atomic Habits, that you have to think about what your identity is. Like that's, And then these are only the fundamentals of how to change habits, how to build good habits, and how to eradicate bad habits. But it's something to keep in mind as you're building habits is, well, what kind of person will I be or what kind of person am I going to be once this habit is up and running? But actually before that as well, I've, I've, I don't remember where I heard this, but if you want to, let's say you're in your organization and you want to be a great leader, you want to be a great salesperson, you want to be um, the empathetic leader, um, you want to be radically candid, right? Like our most recent podcast. What you, all you need to do is to think about what would the person I want to be do in this situation and then do that. That's how you become that person. That's like part of the process of understanding the the changing of your identity or the, the, the tweaking of your identity of, of kind of auditing your beliefs and your values uh, all the time. One of the reasons that I started this podcast was to, I guess, show how there is no one thing for building great habits or becoming a great leader or you know being great at sales or whatever the thing is that you're trying to improve on they all overlap and what you need to do if you really want to get great at um, building habits you should you should listen obviously you are listening to this podcast but you should read the book as well then you should read the power of habit then you should read a book called uh, deep work that's probably going to be our next podcast actually so you can wait for that either uh, and that, and they're all about understanding how to, to build these habits. Or I suppose what you're really doing is you're unlocking these things from, from three different perspectives. So as part of that, what we're doing as well, as I mentioned in the most recent podcast, is that we have an action log that goes along with each of our podcasts from here on out, and we're going to backfill the podcasts that are there already. The idea of the action log is to make sure that you, let's take this, this book as an example, Atomic Habits. There's four laws that he talks about. You listen to this podcast for whatever amount of time I talk for half an hour, 40 minutes. You'll forget that information within 24 hours, almost all of it. And within a week, you'll forget that you even listen to the podcast. If you really want to solidify this information, if you really want to build good habits, if you really want to do whatever it is that you want to do from listening to this podcast, you need to deliberately practice it. So on our website, you go to usebecause.com. Um, it's under the courses page at the moment. I might change the name of that page, but it's called courses at the moment. You'll see action logs. And those action logs there are for each podcast that we do, each book that we do. You, you um, Once you get that action log, what you'll be able to do is to be able to see what exactly is involved in deliberately practicing these four laws. Or I think for the last one, Radical Candor, there was eight or nine different key takeaways from that book. If you want to be radically candid with somebody, if you want to be caring and direct in the correct balance, there's certain things you need to deliberately, pra deliberately practice. And that's what our action log helps you to do. So you go and write down the date and time that you're going to go and do the thing. And then you come back and you write in your feedback and uh, you're able then to, to print that or email that to yourself. So if you have a log of what you've deliberately practiced, you can actually start to, to build good habits by using the action log, ironically. So that's one of the things that we're talking about with the the fundamentals here is to be 1% better every day, but but allow yourself fallback as well, I think. Allow yourself to fall back from, uh, make sure, what I should say is make sure you're trending in the right direction. So one of the things he says in this book as well is he, he quotes, uh, 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 if 
I think a behavioral scientist, if I remember, I can't remember the guy's name, but he says, and this is, I think, the best quote in the whole book. He says, habits are simply reliable solutions to recurring problems in our environment. So you think about any bad habit that you have, right? Uh, you order takeaway on a Friday or Saturday night. It's because you're tired. You have spent the whole week cooking uh, for yourself and, and your family and your kids and whoever. Uh, Friday night comes around or Saturday night and you're hungry and you're tired. Don't want to do anything. So I'm going to reward myself with a takeaway of some description. Or if you think about a, a good habit that you have, right? Habits are simply reliable solutions to recurring problems in our environment. The reason that you go and work out like a demon every day is because you're either pulling yourself towards something, as in you've achieved a certain physique or a certain level of fitness and you want to maintain that. That's that's a, a problem in our in our environment that we are that and that that needs a solution and the solution is going to work out. Or you're pushing your way yourself away from something. So you don't want to be overweight, you don't want to be um creaky and old. So you're pushed away from that. Uh, that desire uh, to to be unfit and that's what pushes you towards uh, this solution which is still working out so good habits and bad habits they are solutions to whatever is happening in our environment so the habit process as he puts it in this book is there's like I said there's four there's four steps really to the habit process then these and it's from these four steps that you that you he gets the James Clear the author that he gets these laws right so the four steps are cue craving for state change response or action and then reward so you have a cue at the beginning right something that just triggers you to act something that makes you kind of gets the habit up and running in the first place then you have a craving for a state change, whatever that state change happens to be. Then you have a response or an action, something that you do, which then gives you a reward, right? So we'll get into those in a few minutes and we'll say we'll, we'll explain how they fit into the, to the four habits. One thing, though, I forgot to mention, and it's a great analogy that he uses at the beginning of the book, is um, how small habits can actually uh, compound over time. And he uses the analogy of an airplane taking off and he says, if an airplane takes off in in London and it aims for New York City, right? If the nose of the plane is moved by 3.5 degrees from when it takes off in London, it'll end up in Washington, D.C. and not New York City. So 3.5 degrees moves the nose of the plane a few feet. But in the long run, it has a massive impact on your destination and where you want to go. And that's a great analogy to understand for how habits compound or how that 1% compounds over time. If you think about it this way, if you, and I've seen this a lot where people make a decision that I'm going to get fit, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm going to do all these great things. And then what they do is they, they allow themselves to feel good because they made the decision. They haven't actually done anything yet, but they allow themselves to feel good because, oh, it's like a relief. I've just finally decided I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to, um, you know, start taking my career seriously. Whatever the thing is, people have like, they. it's like a relief to kind of like to, to let this heavy coat fall off their shoulders. Go, oh, thank God. Finally, I can, I've made this decision. 
and then no action ever gets taken. Or what happens sometimes is that people decide they're going to get fit. So they go for a 20 minute sprint, right, as hard as they can, as fast as they can, and they come back to the house and they realize that they're still overweight. And this ties into that 1% change or the, the, the nose of the plane moving 3.5 degrees. One 20 minute run isn't going to do it, right? It's not about one big action. Being excellent at something isn't one big leap forward. It's, it's, it's a process. It's a system. It's a, it's a series of, of small steps that you need to go through. So you need to focus on your current trajectory, not your current results. So think about the tiny changes that, that you're going to make because they're going to compound. So the, the first law, actually what I'll do is I'll give you the four laws here. Right? I'll tell you what the four laws are based on the, the four-step habit process. So the habit processes, remind you again, cue, craving, response, and reward. They're the four main steps that cause a habit to, to run, to cause that a program in your brain to run to you know pick up a cigarette or to order a pizza or do whatever right the first law is to make it obvious right so whatever the thing is that you're trying to do to make it obvious and I'll talk about that again second law make it attractive the third law make it easy and the fourth law make it satisfying so the first law is to make it obvious the author James Clear makes the point here that when habits are automatic you stop paying attention to what you're doing, right? You're just not thinking about it anymore. And that can also be called chunking if you've ever studied NLP or uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Let's take going to the gym as the example. If you're going to make it into a big deal that you have to find your runners and pack a bag and get into the car and drive to the gym and find parking and then you have to go up and find a locker and then you have to go to the gym and warm up and have to work out, then you have to reverse the whole process. That just becomes too much to do. But if you chunk that into, I'm just I'm going to the gym, I'll be back in a while, you know, it becomes something that's much more simple. So he talks about making it obvious, right? Talking about habits when they're automatic. If you, You'll stop paying attention to the, to the minute details. But you have to be aware of what your habits are before you can change them. So this is, this is the key takeaway, I think, from this first law to make it obvious. The most common cues are time and location. So if you're in a particular place at a particular time, you'll most likely find that a certain habit kicks in. So like I said, it could be sitting on the couch eight o'clock on a Friday evening, I'm getting a bit hungry, out comes the phone, just eat, comes up, and uh, before you know it, 35 pound, 35 euro spent, and uh, the food is on its way. Time and location. If you want to make yourself aware of your habits, think about the when these programs run in your mind, right? When these subroutines actually happen in your mind, the common cues are time and location. So the best way to start a new habit is to create what he calls an implementation intention, right? Bit of a mouthful that one. And he has he has it written in the book, and I've 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 made note of it here. He says I will, and then whatever the behavior is, at the time in location. So I will work out at 10 a.m in my back garden right something like that is if you if you can talk about the the time that that you'll do it and the location that you'll do it in and whatever the behavior is whatever the thing is that you'll do if you actually write that down somewhere or tell somebody you're more likely to stick to it so that'll make it obvious that's one way to make it obvious is to talk is first of all think about the uh the habits that you already have 
right? There could be some habits that then lead to secondary habits that cause you to, um, you know, do something that you're not particularly happy with. So when you want to create a new behavior, have what he calls implementation intention. I will lift weights at 10 a.m. in the back garden on Saturday mornings, right? Whatever it is. He also says that motivation is overrated. And I, I would tend to agree with him there that a lot of the time people use motivation as a, as, as a tool to, to get other people to do things, right? If you think about the job that you're in, if you're running a team, if your team are half-arsed doing it, there's something motivating them to do it half-arsed. Motivation is useful to a point, but you have to be very very clear about you know most people are already motivated to do what they're doing you need to change the environment and the environment matters more so when we talk about habits he says that habits are initiated by a cue so make good habit cues obvious and the way you make it obvious is having a time and a location for the good habit to actually occur so that could be again think about ordering takeaway food on a friday evening you know, have a, have know that at eight o'clock on Friday evening, I will uh, either do the intermittent fasting thing if you that's what you're into, or I will uh, have a dinner made by eight 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 p.m. on that Friday evening. Whatever, right? Whatever the thing is, he also says that it's easier to avoid temptation than to resist it, which I think I agree with too. That if you if you don't give yourself the opportunity to uh to be in that temptation it's going to be much easier to resist it so let's say for example that every weekend you order takeaway and it's costing you too much money and you'd prefer not to be eating all that uh, msg then maybe don't be at home at 8 p.m on a friday obviously a bit difficult in the times we're in at the moment with the whole covid19 thing but think about it that way that it, you don't necessarily you can you can totally change up what you're doing. Don't be at home at 8 p.m. if that's when you think you're more likely to do it. Um, even go out to a restaurant or um, be at the gym at that particular time. Do something, right, uh, to make it obvious that the the queue the queue has to change. The second law then is to make it a, make it attractive, right. So whatever the habit is that you're trying to build, make it irresistible, right. And he's, he talks a little bit about how to make a habit irresistible. He talks about a feedback loop for dopamine, right? So when you get the reward for your your habit, so it could be eating the pizza, it could be uh, smoking a cigarette, whatever the thing is, he makes the very important point that the anticipation of the reward is actually greater than the reward itself. One way to get over that, then, one way to make it make your new habit attractive is to what he do what he calls temptation bundling, right? Combine the actions that you want to do with the actions you need to do. And I'll use a random example from my own life here. If I need to clean the kitchen, empty the dishwasher or do whatever, something like that, I'll put headphones on and I'll listen to a podcast. I'll try and learn something while I am empty. I hate emptying the dishwasher. It just seems to be a never ending task to empty it and refill it. I hate doing it, but it has to be done. So I, if I can, if I have no children hanging out of me, I'll put on a podcast, I'll put on headphones or put on the speaker or something and try and learn something while I am 
doing something I don't really want to do. Same with um, uh, hoovering or vacuuming the house, uh, headphones on, and uh, spend an hour cleaning everywhere and uh, learn something as I go. Right, so it's temptation bundling. It's doing. I love listening to podcasts as much as I like doing them myself. I love listening to other people's podcasts, but I don't necessarily love cleaning the house. So you combine the two. It's temptation bundling. So when you want to make a new habit, you make it attractive, and that's one way to do it. Another thing to keep in mind to make it attractive is that our friends and family matter. Right, our culture determines which behaviors are attractive. So you need to get in with people who already have your desired behavior. So it could be that you want to be a cross-country runner or a, uh, a, a deadlift specialist, right? Um, that's a weightlifting term, not weightlifting, a powerlifting term. Let's say that's what you want to do. Then you need to get around people who already do those things. There's no point, you know, trying to build a behavior like that if you're around people who are just have no interest in doing what you're doing. If the behavior that you desire is the norm somewhere, get in, get into that somewhere. So it could be, I mean, that's when you, you join a cycling club or you uh, join a, a gym or a weightlifting club or whatever the thing is that you want to do, whatever the habit is that you want to do, get involved. It could even just be a, about following certain people on your favorite social media sites because, you know, it could be somebody who's, who's you know, into home cooking, that kind of thing make it get in get into that culture where it's the norm for these things to happen so if you want to get fit then maybe you're buying fitness magazines or um you know following uh, certain influencers or into fitness and for them it's just normal then it just becomes normal for you it, it normalizes uh those kinds of things you're more likely to imitate the habits of the close friends and family um than anybody else another great quote i heard again hard to prove it's true but if you, if you consider it to be true it can be very useful and it's this that all of us are the average of the five people we spend the most time with so if you think about the five people you spend the most time with are you the average of those five people and then think about oh god is that good or is it bad and then think about the culture that you're in the, the people that you're surrounding yourself by you want to make sure that you're getting around people who have the behaviors that you desire, the behaviors that you'd like to emulate, and then just start doing those. The third law then is to make it easy. Uh, he starts off by saying you should walk slowly but never backward, and that kind of, I guess, ties into the 1% better every day, the Kaizen approach to habit building. Uh, compound your tiny changes, those atomic habits. The best way to learn something is to practice it. Um, it's not the plan and actually I read something on Instagram the other day that uh, the first I can't remember exactly what it is that the first time you do a podcast it'll be shit the first time you uh, try and make a sale it won't happen the first time you give a presentation it's going to be terrible whatever right there was a list of things except that the first time you're going to do something and especially if you're building a new habit whether it's going to the gym or you know trying to um, break the four minute mile whatever the thing is you're trying to do the first time you you attempt it it's going to be crap accept that and do it anyway you go back and listen to the first few podcasts i did i think i'm getting better at them uh, you may or may not agree i'm definitely more comfortable now doing podcasts on i think we're on number 30 or 31 now than i was at the beginning but I had to just power through. I had to just power through those first few, knowing that they're going to be crap and, and knowing that I had to put them out there into the world. Otherwise, you are 
you're as my my nana would have said you're codding yourself right you're just you're not fooling anybody except yourself right <laughs> like such a parent yeah but it's so true because you have to push them out into the world and get the feedback to see and know yourself then that they're out in the world and and kind of expose yourself that way and think right well i can only get better as long as i'm deliberately practicing so the best way to learn something is practice not planning the best way to learn something is to actually go and do it and and learn from the experiences to, is to iterate towards uh, I, I guess iterate towards perfection knowing that you'll never really reach it aim for perfection you might hit excellence i think i heard that in the film there recently one of those uh feel good films I can't remember what it is but it's a pretty good quote aim for perfection you might hit excellence right habits form when a process becomes automatic through repetition I know for myself the last, since we've been in this lockdown, I have been uh, lifting weights four times a week, I would say, and I feel a million times better. Um, I, it's automatic now where, uh, you, you know, at lunchtime, I just uh, have a shed down the back and I go down there to the weights and just throw them around for half an hour and I feel great after it. So it's about repetition. It's about kind of allowing these habits to build through repetition. He also talks about procrastination and how great we are procrastinating. There's a great website called uh, Wait But Why. Um, if you want to waste an entire day when you're supposed to be working, and uh, go to waitbutwhy.com. There's a guy called Tim Urban, um, and some other guy run that website, but Tim Urban does all the writing on it. And he picks a topic and just goes deep on it, and he has an entire series on procrastination. Um, you need to dig for it a bit, but there's incredible stuff on it about why why we procrastinate and, and what it's all about. But if you do find yourself procrastinating, there, in this book, uh, Atomic Habits, James Clear gives a two-minute rule. A new habit should take less than two minutes to do. And you might think, well, if I'm going to go to the gym, that's at least you know an hour to get there, have the workout, and then another hour to get home, then probably, you know, let's just say a couple of hours. That's more than two minutes. That's not the habit. The habit is putting on the workout gear. Right? That's, that's 15, 20 seconds. Picking up the bag and, and driving to the gym. Right? That's your, that, the drive itself, if it's a 20-minute drive, that isn't the habit. The habit is actually turning the key in the ignition and pulling out the driveway or wherever you are that you're going to the gym. A habit should take less than two minutes. So once it's invoked once it's actually up and running and you're doing it then that two minutes that the clock is 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 off then right the clock is stopped and you're doing the habit but you have to think about it in those terms that procrastination comes from too much planning not enough action right a little less conversation a little more action is what you're looking for when it comes to making things easy for yourself walk slowly but never backward and the fourth law then that he talks about is to make it satisfying Anything that is immediately rewarded will be repeated. So keep that in mind. So make sure that you feel successful straight away, regardless of what the thing is. So allow yourself a reward. Um, you know, whatever the thing is, whatever the, the, the habit is that you're trying to form, make sure you, you, you plan it out so that there's something in it for you at the end as well. There's a great story about uh, Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, who talked about writing jokes and he would always consider it to be his job right obviously most comedians consider it their job but he would look at it as a nine to five job i need to write jokes every day 
And what he used to do, supposedly, is that he would have a calendar. And on that calendar, he'd put a red X every day that he wrote jokes. If he wrote any jokes at all that day, he would write a red X. And what happened to him is that those red Xs became addictive. He never wanted to break that chain. And that became very satisfying for him, is that he... he, he he, f he felt he felt a, s a sense of achievement by being the guy who had the discipline to write jokes every day, knowing that you know most of them probably wouldn't be that funny, or they might lead to something else. But the fact is, he was able to then his reward was putting that red X on his calendar. And again, using this podcast as an example, you may or may not have noticed there was about two episodes per month, and that comes down to just having a system in place rather than having a goal to do like i could have a goal to do two podcasts every month and that would be great you might have the same thing and have and be nowhere near it what separates me from somebody who does no podcasts is that i have a system i now have a system in place having done whatever you are 29 or 30 of these episodes i now have a system in place that allows me to predict how long it's going to take to put all the different bits and pieces together for a podcast i call it invisible hours some this is kind of getting off topic here now a bit but i call it invisible hours the hours that you put in that other people do not see the hours that you put in that people just think something just arrived out of nowhere i'll give you an example of right now it is 11 minutes to 11 at night time and i'm recording this podcast so keep that in mind that this is one of those invisible hours that people don't see. They don't they don't think about when this is actually happening. I've already done a full day's work, put kids to bed and made dinners, and now I'm recording a podcast. And I don't do that. I don't, don't say that to 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 impress anyone, but only to impress upon you what's necessary to build good habits. You have to put in those invisible hours. You have to have a system in place to allow you to do it. So that is the four laws of, uh, of building habits. First law, make it obvious. Second law, make it attractive. The third law is to make it easy. And the fourth law is to make it satisfying. I hope that as you're listening to this podcast that you have thought about one thing that you want to improve or change or one thing that you want to get rid of in your life. One habit that is just dragging you down, whether it's smoking, drinking too much and uh, not taking your career seriously, whatever the thing is. I hope you got something from it. There's a few other bits in this in this book. There's actually no, I shouldn't say it like that. There's loads in this book. It's always worth reading these books that I talk about. Um, by me doing a podcast on it for for half an hour or forty minutes, it's it doesn't give you enough. It doesn't it doesn't color it in enough. I don't think. Um, we give you the actionable content, but you, you really I think you need to color it in a bit as well. But anyway, there's a few extra things that are mentioned in the book that I that I'd like to just kind of touch on real quick. One of them is he talks about Benjamin Franklin, uh, who had 13 virtues, things that he were kind of like little rules for him to live by. And one of them was to have no frivolous conversations. Don't waste your time with uh, people who are, who are wasting your time. I don't. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't sit down and watch a football match or, um, you know, scroll through Instagram for an hour if that's what you feel like. As long as it's deliberate. Don't have frivolous conversations. It's a pretty good one. Another one was to always be doing something useful. Always be doing something useful, which is another great thing. Uh, I, I always like to think about my day being, I'm always learning something or teaching something. That's how I kind of break up my day a lot of the time. Um, so he mentions Benjamin, um, Benjamin Franklin, Ben Franklin in this book. 
But he's also mentioned in another book, one of our very first podcasts on mastery, which is the greatest book I've ever read, I think. He talks a good bit about Benjamin Franklin. And uh, there's another guy called Walter Isaacson who wrote a book about Benjamin Franklin, which I've not read yet, but is on my uh, to-do list. One of the habits I've started building over the last while myself, and I got it from this book and from the other one, uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, is to stop ordering pizza. Now, if you've probably noticed, I, I mentioned pizza a lot. It's one of my um, very mild obsessions. It's not just eating pizza, but actually making really excellent pizza. Now, you can only get so far with an oven in your kitchen, right? The, the standard oven that goes to like 220 degrees. You need an oven that gets to around 500 degrees. And what I've decided to do, um, purely just to see if it works or not, and, and I'll tell you it is working, is I've stopped ordering pizzas, right? There's a place near us who do very good pizzas, but I've stopped ordering them. And what I'm doing every week is I'm taking the money that I would spend on a pizza, and I'm saving it. And I'm going to buy a pizza oven. Um, I've picked the pizza oven, very, very excited about it, but I haven't got enough money saved yet. Now, I could just put the money to it and buy it, but that's not the point. The point is... there's great satisfaction in watching that money build up knowing that I'm going to be able to to make my own pizzas in this uh, uh, restaurant um, quality uh, standard but while I'm doing that as well I'm also figuring out sourdough like everyone in the in the lockdown everyone seems to be making banana bread or sourdough but I'm starting to figure out sourdough um, for pizza bases um, so again just a random one just because it's um, it's interesting to have read this book to be talking about it both in this one and the what I would call the, the, the twin of this book the, the power of habit to actually go and do something then about it is to actually it, it is weirdly satisfying to move money from one account to a different account knowing that it's you know going towards a pizza oven it's, it's, uh, it's weird and our, so one other little there's, there's loads of um, facts and stories in, in this book which I love and, and I sometimes think I should include them as I'm talking about these books but it isn't always necessary because I want to focus on the actionable content. Um, I want to make sure that you're I'm not wasting your time just kind of giving you facts and figures that you can't then go out and deliberately practice with the action log. But there is a really interesting one, a story that he tells in the book of um, a public health researcher who was able to have a 52% reduction in diarrhea in children in Pakistan. 52% reduction in diarrhea. And the way he was able to do it was giving them nice soap. Because the kids had nice soap, they were able, they were more inclined to wash their hands. There was an immediate reward for washing their hands and the habit was built. So those are the kinds of things that habits can do. They can change the world and they can change your world too. So until next time, Thanks very much for tuning in and uh, go to usebecause.com, find the action log to go along with Atomic Habits.